Touchdown, Arkansas State! Culver is safe! The Red Wolves have walked it off! Amir, coast to coast! Lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and... Brad Bobo. Well, here we are again. Another edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you. And got a lot to talk about on this episode. We're going to recap the Tulsa weekend for the A-State football team. Look ahead to Georgia Southern this week. Talk about everything else that's going on in A-State sports and kind of Talk about the trip itself yeah. to Tulsa, Oklahoma. This edition, subtitled the Come In Off the Ledge edition of the podcast. <laughs> I, listen, not you so much as a play-by-play guy. Me as a sports talk host, I understand maybe I wouldn't have my job if it wasn't for the gross overreactions our medium provides. But That's what fans cow. are supposed to do, right? They're supposed I mean, to overreact. <laughs> I, I guess it's just and I, I don't yeah, I don't seek out a lot of it didn't see a lot of it but I saw enough to know it's out there and just like chill out all right with so some of the, the stuff I've been seeing and reading the, the last couple of days Aaron Rodgers R-E-L-A-X thing today well I guess it's just like I mean where do you start I, I mean I know you will talk about the game and if I go down this we'll automatically not be talking about the game but I think a little bit. Arkansas State fans are the ones who have been around. Number one, I think you got some fans who didn't show up till 2011. That's true. And I think they're kind of the last money in, first money out if stuff starts going bad. But even the ones who are around since then, what happened, Arkansas State fans got a completely unrealistic view of what's supposed to happen to a program when you go through a coaching change. Yeah, just keep winning conference championships. So – now all of a sudden, that's just how it goes, right? Well, no, it's not how it goes. And the more time goes and the more you see that, the more you realize it probably has to do with that special group of guys as players that stuck through that. They get the most credit. And two, you can't discount the fact. And I listen, I had as much fun as anybody in 2011 and 2012 and so on and so forth, drown down the line. But you can't discount the fact that the Sunbelt Conference that coaches Freeze and Malzahn and you know, especially got to pick on ain't the Sunbelt Conference this team's about to jump into this weekend. No, it's a completely different looking league and a much improved league than what we saw 10 oh years ago, gosh. even five years ago. It has taken huge steps forward and I think the Arkansas State program will continue to go forward as well, but other programs in our league have been able to catch up and do some big things too. Absolutely, which apparently they weren't supposed to try to do. Damn them. Well, let's talk about <laughs> the non-conference finale. It was this past weekend at Tulsa, and one of the most misleading records in the country coming into last weekend was Tulsa's. Oh, no, they're just 0-3 because they suck. They had lost their opener to an FCS team. 
And that was a game which Tulsa probably should have won anyway, Uh but they had six players suspended from a brawl at the end of their bowl game last year against Mississippi State. They came back and they played really well the next two weeks against Oklahoma State and Ohio State. Had a chance to win both of those games. Didn't know what to expect from Arkansas State. You know, they were coming off a very tough loss at Washington, a day in which nothing seemed to go right. But heard all week long about just how good practice was and the reaction from the A-State players in practice. Yeah, and you were you heard that even from Butch Jones when he showed up for you know, live with the Red Wolves on Wednesday, and I heard that just talking with players. You know, E.J. Alexander was one that told me unsolicited during the week. Said, "Man, we've had some good practices," and it wasn't even like I was asking. And he he just came right with that about how good practice had been in the early part of the week so that was he had players and coaches like feeling that way and look i think it i mean i think it showed overall in the performance i mean it was a different world than what we saw in seattle the week prior yeah i thought the effort was fantastic obviously big plays hurt the defense once again but there were some very positive things to take out of the tulsa game and look In the first three weeks, even the UCA game, the Red Wolves never led in the first half of any of those contests. That's something that changed this past Saturday. You know, Tulsa, on their first possession, went three and out, and it was the second down play where the ball got by the quarterback. Davis Brennan went into the end zone. You know, he picked it up about two yards deep, and he had to do everything he could to get back across the goal line. It was almost a safety. It was really, really close. But then Tulsa had to punt out of the back of their own end zone, and A-State got the first points of the day on a special team score by the Iowa State transfer, Johnny Lang. The punt is away. Backpedaling to receive it is Johnny Lang at the 39 of A-State. Breaks a tackle across the 40, 45, 50. Breaks another tackle across the 40. Go, Johnny, go. Across the 20, 10, 5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. And I'm not one of those broadcasters that like doing the catchphrase thing. I don't plan out moments. But (laughs) I'll tell you, a couple of weeks ago, Philip and I are watching practice and – I said, you know, it's it's pretty cool we got a punt returner named Johnny. I said, hey, if he ever returns one, I'm just going to say, go, Johnny, go. So I was able to work it in. Yeah, well, I, really, the to me, the, the, the props are not for having the idea as much as remembering it when the bullets start flying. I mean, you had a basically a 10-second window of time to remember to do that. Tulsa came back. They scored on a big play. And we'll talk more about the big plays here in just a minute. But the Red Wolves able to take the lead again. And I thought this was one of the bigger bright spots for the A-State offense. Dahu Green got involved. Four catches, 82 yards on the day, including this 39-yard touchdown pass. Slagman claps his hands for it. Play action. Blackman going deep right side looking for Dahu. This is caught. Touchdown, Dahu Green. A diving grab as he crossed the goal line for the score. And A-State has the lead back with 450 remaining in the opening quarter. But Dahu was a guy that, you know, he's been riddled with injuries ever since he got to Arkansas State. And 
Even this past offseason, still battling a knee injury. He had surgery in the offseason, and he's played a little bit through the first three weeks, but he was back in his home state the other day and got more reps than he had to this point. You know, at a time when Arkansas State you know, needed some receivers to pick up some reps a little bit. You know, some other guys banged up. Go, Some guys went into the game banged up. We're going to be maybe on a little bit of a pitch count. Then Travalence Hunt unable to finish the game. So, yeah, this was a day where Arkansas State needed some guys to answer the bell in the receiving court. It was great to see Dahu get to do that. Yeah, and Corey Rucker, we didn't know how much he was going yep. to play the other day. He had a bone bruise on his foot that he was battling. He didn't practice until Thursday, and he came out and had four catches for 115 yards and made a phenomenal catch there uh, in the fourth quarter, kind of in front of the Tulsa sideline. But, uh, yeah, good good job by Rucker playing at less than 100%. You know, the Red Wolves are up 14-7 to after that Dahu Green score. And then Tulsa with 24 straight points after that, including 17 points in the final three and a half minutes of the first half. And you're down 24-14 at the intermission. And Coach Jones talked about it afterwards. And you know, we talked about it you know, when we sat down to do the TV show on Sunday morning. He said, look, the, the last five minutes or so of the first half and the first couple of minutes of the third quarter are what got us yeah and even the field goal we talked about it on the air you could just sense it the last you know they got it with minute and a half or something like that to go before halftime you just knew you can't give up points here because they're going to get the football to start the third quarter they've had the momentum and then and then you know Tulsa helped the cause they had multiple penalties on that possession, got way behind the chains, and still got out of, you know, wiggled out of the, the hole and, and kicked the field goal. And it just, little things like that are killer. We just kind of give team free points. That That's what happened at the end of the half. And then, yes, that scene for a crazy start to the third quarter. Yeah, the first five minutes of the third quarter, both teams scored two touchdowns. And, you know, you go from being down 24-14 at the half. Tulsa gets the ball first. They go up 31-14, down 17. You know you need to answer. The Red Wolves do with a nine-play drive. And, you know, the big play on that drive came right before a third down, and A-State was forced to call a timeout. A timeout, certainly you don't want to take that early in the second half. But coming out of the timeout, a big 35-yard pass to Corey Rucker, set up first and goal, and then a nice job on the fade pass from James Blackman to Jeff Foreman from seven yards out. Second and goal from the seven. It's Rucker and Combs split right. Foreman to the left. Stevenson and H-back on the left. Going for Foreman left side. This is caught. Touchdown, Jeff Foreman. And A-State is back to within two scores with 10-34 remaining in the third. And Jeff Foreman just climbed the ladder for the score. I know people will talk about the fourth quarter of the Memphis game, and rightfully so, uh, when he basically came in through for 300 yards in a quarter, more or less. But uh, set that off to the side. I thought James Blackman was uh, at his best in the second half of this game. Yeah. He goes 23 of 37, 321, two touchdowns, and an interception. The interception came in the first half, a ball that Tulsa picked off in the end zone. But, yeah, I'm with you. I thought he did some really good things. And that's doing a lot of work under a lot of duress. I mean, he was uh, he had heat 
most of the day. Yeah, two offensive linemen out. You have to start Christian Haas at right guard. First career start for him. And then Robert Holmes has been battling a back issue at right tackle, and he wasn't able to play. So Wyatt Lubke had to step in. And look, that was a tough chore going up against a really good Tulsa defensive line. But, you know, Tulsa had six sacks on the day, and James Blackman, you're right, was facing pressure a good amount of the time. Poor old James Blackman's got to wonder because he was sacked, I think. 71 times at Florida State. And like I said, part of those, or, yeah, part of that is stuff of YouTube lore, some of the beatings <laughs> he took as a young player. He's like, he's clearly not a guy that's going out and buying the offensive lineman dinner and watches and whatnot. If, if so, he's demanding a refund. <laughs> Look, at this point in the game, you, you get the touchdown pass to Foreman. You're back to within 10. You're hoping you get a little bit of momentum. You know, Tulsa – begins the next drive and on the very first play they go 75 yards it just seems so deflating at that moment and I think in a lot of circumstances you'll see a team fold and I know you know it was deflating for us deflating for our fans to watch I'm sure on the sideline too but you know right after that the very next play the kickoff return Alan Lamar will Return the kickoff across the 20, 25, breaks the tackle across the 30. Allen Lamar cuts left across the 40. He's across midfield. Allen Lamar across the 30, 20, 10. He's going to score. No flags. Allen Lamar takes it to the house. And that was fantastic. Obviously, you, you get some momentum right back, but... I don't know where exactly you were on the sideline at that point, but watching the replay, I saw something I didn't see live because I'm watching the ball, but Ethan Hassler, who's a true freshman, had one heck of a block. He drove a guy back 15, 20 yards right in front of the A-State sideline. And I remember seeing it for the first time when we sat down to look at the highlights for the TV show. And I said, who is that? And you know, Coach Jones look at, looks at me and says, that's Ethan Hassler, a true freshman. But it reminded me, you know that scene from The Blind Side where Michael Orr just yes. drives the guy, you know, the length of the field and, you know, through the end zone and got called for excessive blocking? Yes. That that was Ethan Hassler on this Well, play. and so it it's funny you mentioned that because that's what I was thinking later in the game. You know, Tulsa had a touchdown nullified at one point in the second half on a hold and in their view it was probably the same thing they had a receiver downfield blocking a guy for probably 20 yards the difference between i guess hassler here and big michael Orr in the blind side is that he didn't just completely have the guy wrapped up in a bear hug and just running down the field with him 20 there's that's the difference between excessive blocking and a hold <laughs> which was the easiest block play of the easiest call of the night for the officials yet somehow that one minor detail was lost on the uh, crowd in attendance saturday yeah a-state was able to get back to within seven with a blake groupie field goal from 38 yards out and, you know, we get to the fourth quarter. It's very much a ball game. Both teams hit a field goal in the fourth. Tulsa had hit one to go up 10. Blake Groupie came back with a career long that was officially listed as 50 yards. <laughs> and we had this conversation on, on the way back the other night. 
You know, I think a lot of people list the distance. They just add 17 yeah. to the line of scrimmage, and they don't look where the holder is. It was clear Ryan Hansen was set up at the 41-yard line when he put that hold down. So I think it was a 51-yard field goal. So I'm trying to give, give Groupie another yard on his it's career See, long. like what the uh, – is there anything written about that? About how to gauge the length of a field goal? Because you're right. The automatic thing is tack 17 yards onto the line of scrimmage. And I did that. I was I was guilty of doing that for a long time. But then you, you look closer – and, I mean, the thing to do is add 10 from where the holder is. If you're doing it that way, then it was from 51 for Blake Groupie. Either way, it was a career long. And it's 41-34. And look, there, there's 6.40 to go in the game at that point. But A-State never got the ball back. You know, credit to also for you know, playing it right. You, I mean, in, this, in 2021, you know teams go fast. In a two-minute offense, you know they're going to try to slow it down what they call four-minute offense. But you don't see a team often with enough patience to start running the 06, seven-minute offense. And that's what they did. I mean, they started running a play clock then. And so credit them for shortening the game from that standpoint. And, you know, A-State couldn't get them off the field. And it ended with an odd turn of events down on the goal line. Yeah, the, the, the final timeout taken coming out of a timeout and – that wasn't the difference at all between i mean the red wolves didn't have much of a chance at all at that point the either truth way. is it's probably just it's a 90 percent chance that it was just the difference between losing by one score or two one of our players saw that we only had 10 men on the field coming out of that timeout so you had to obviously do something at that point and and i guess the instant reaction was to call for another timeout and at that point you take it and then you can't yep. stop the clock again in the final so, second so we're tulsa was going to have to run a play and they were going to hand it to that big old running back and say all right you stopped me once i bet you don't do it again and instead they were able to take a knee and there's your ball game so the Red Wolves fall 41-34. I thought there were some, some big positives in this ballgame. We talked about some of them already, but I can't remember a game where the Red Wolves special teams were as dominant as they were the other day. And Coach Jones had told me when we sat down Thursday to do our pregame stuff that he thought we had a chance in the return game to do some good things. That was the first time since 2000 that an A-State team had returned both a punt and a kickoff for a touchdown in the same game. It was the first time we had returned a punt, period, for a touchdown since 2017 when Blaze Taylor did it at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kirk Merritt was the last one to return a kickoff for a touchdown. He did that two years ago, I think, against Georgia Southern. But that was great to see in the return game but the coverage units were fantastic i thought the travion green was was great making a couple of tackles there tristan mattson that's the that kid has the biggest turnaround of any player on the team and let's just i mean because now now he's doing really well and hopefully we don't jinx him i don't mind telling you folks this kid that more or less early i mean like they bring this kid in out of michigan and and even groupie referenced it the other day tristan mattson was brought in here to compete with blake groupie for all the kicking jobs. Groupie won the place kicking job, but thought Madsen still had a strong enough leg to be the kickoff guy. And he suffered from an all-world case of stage fright. He really did. And 
we'd watch them day in and day out, and it would be something that Coach Anderson would talk about too when, when we sat down with him. He'd watch them kick it through the end zone every day in practice, and it just was not happening in games. And now it's just automatic with them. He had seven kickoffs the other day. Six of them were for touchbacks. Yeah, and that's that's so good. I mean, that's such an understated thing to just – no, you're going to have a guy put it five, six yards deep and make him come out even to the 25. Who cares? Make him go to the 25. But I uh, want to make sure we're, we're talking about how far that young man has come and what a season he's having on those kickoffs. Yeah, Ryan Hansen, another good day. I thought he, he's been solid each of the first four weeks. He had five punts the other day, three downed inside the 20. And then Blake Groupie, we, we continued to talk about him, but, you know, the, the career long the other day. And by the way, he's sitting now at 300 career points, which is third most in A-State history and certainly on pace to break the school record in scoring at some point this year. So very, very dominant in special teams. And when you look at the defense, our defensive ends are playing at a really high level. Uh, Kavon Bennett and Joe Azugu, their combined numbers the other day were 18 tackles, six tackles for a loss, and three sacks. And JoJo had two sacks going up against a freshman All-American from a season ago, a guy who was first team All-AAC, just coming off the edge, doing anything he wanted most of the day. Yeah, those two guys are, are really good. You know, Ryan Silverfield, the coach at Memphis, had made the comment even – just watching just the the UCA game that he thought both of those guys would be all conference in the American they've certainly been the bright spot there and hopefully they'll be joined by other bright spots but it's, look this team's not playing very well defensively just because of monster plays and I know you wrote it down up there I mean five TDs of 15 yards or more 88, yeah. 25, 34, 17, and 75. You go back to that Memphis game. Memphis scored eight touchdowns. The average length of their touchdown plays was 48 and a quarter yards. And that includes the fact that they had like a 17 and a four in there. And mm-hmm. still the average was over 48. So I mean, it's just been a killer. You and I, we've talked about this before. We're pretty positive to a fault in some people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not one to jump out and criticize. And I've told you in high school, college, all stuff, I'm wired to go with coaches, right? I see this football team four hours a week. These coaches see this football team eight hours a day. They know more about it than I do. Just like my doctor knows more about medicine than I know. So the question and how they're going about doing business, I'm not in a position to do that. I'd say this, God love them great kids but a lot of these players are players on the field for a defense the last year year and a half two years that wasn't very good how is that magically going to change in four games there's still a lot of things to figure out and hopefully we'll see some improvement this week in the conference opener at georgia southern we're going to talk about that matchup and recap the other things that happened on our trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma, when we come back on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here refinish the floors here twice? Sized up your daughter's boyfriends here? Waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave. This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again. 
in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. So we've recapped the game, but there were some other things that happened over the weekend on the trip to Tulsa. And look, this is a stretch of the season where we're on the road together three straight weeks. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I think Jerry Scott figured this out. It's the first time that an A-State team has played three straight Saturday road games since 2004. So it's been a long time since we've seen a stretch like this. And and that's not to say first time played three straight on the road, but you either have an open date or a midweek that spreads a couple of games out. It's first time they're going Saturday, Saturday, Saturday on the road. Yeah, since 04. So when we fly, and just kind of letting you know how it goes for us on these trips, when we fly, we fly with the team. In this case, the team actually bussed to Tulsa, so we got a rental car for me, you, Philip Butterfield, and our sports information director, Jerry Scott. So the four of us were taking off Friday morning, and uh, of course, Jerry's an hour late, Mm -hmm. which is the norm. Over, more like an hour and a half. Philip's coming from Little Rock, so we... Pick him up in Conway, and and we're off. We're headed down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I got to give credit to our friends over at CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers in Russellville. This is one of our new favorite it was spots a, on a the destination road. stop. You know, you we stumbled upon it really driving over to Fayetteville, right for for the, the baseball Arkansas trip, yeah. State Arkansas baseball game. And so this time we knew we were going that way. And you know, again, we thought we'd get there an hour and a half sooner than we did. We thought we'd get there at lunchtime. Instead, it was like we got there about the time my grandparents have supper, thanks to Jerry Scott. <laughs> but we still got there. And hey, this place, like, it's, here's the deal. It's so good, I'll stop there and eat, even though they got a big Razorback painted on the building. Well, that says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so we stop, you know, eat at CJ's. We head to Tulsa. And, you know, one of the things that I guess we've started to do a little bit more in, in the last couple of years is if if there's a top golf, yep. we will go in that particular city and that will kind of be our Friday night thing. And Tulsa doesn't have a top golf, but I guess they've got something similar. It's called Golf Suites. So very similar. Very similar. So we uh, we end up doing that on Friday nights. Had a lot of fun. Had a, a great dinner right after that. And then as we're leaving, uh, I know you had mentioned the other night you wanted to bring this up on this program, but right down the road, and actually from Golf Suites, we could hear the public address announcer from Jinx High School. Yeah, I've heard about Jinx High School for years and years. They're one of the most prominent high school football programs in the country, not just Oklahoma, the country. They've won state championships 17 times. And you're driving us back to the hotel, and, and credit to you, I'm glad you did this. You you drove by the stadium as a game was going on. I'm going to tell you right now, when you drive by Jinx High School, you probably you know think you're driving by a pretty nice college facility. <laughs> I don't yeah I don't know what the capacity at place is. We went all the way around it driving. I mean they were in the third quarter of whoever they were playing and they were up big. But the, the one I know the one thing that jumped out of you is end zone bleachers. Yeah, you don't see that at many the high schools. Full size big end, end zone bleachers, big video board above that. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, stadium seating down the side, the multi-level press box, all glassed out. I mean, we will go in a lot of press boxes the rest of this season. Not as nice as that one. Yes. Big end zone facility, sports medicine building in the end zone. I mean, it looked like a college stadium. It was big time. So that was our Friday night. Saturday morning, we get up, we go to a great restaurant I've been to once before, Tally's Good Food Cafe, kind of a 50s-style diner before heading to the stadium. I had a place, this is pretty simple, I had a spot called The Kitchen, I believe was the name of it. Yeah, you went with a friend that lives Former there. Former A-State baseball standout Chris Bolden and his lovely daughters and family and kate luter kate luter's a great a state fan i got to eat breakfast with her on saturday the only thing we didn't get to do and that we'll do next time if we go to tulsa again and the kickoff is a little bit later we'll all take one of those good tulsa bicycle tours that's what everybody (laughs) does when they go to tulsa that's a thing oh absolutely a thing and we'll do it next time so we we get to the stadium we had been there three years ago and just in older stadium 91 years old h.a chapman stadium and you know it's it's a good place to call a game it's probably one of the tighter sidelines and i know you mentioned this a couple times during the broadcast i mean there is not much room at all over on that that far side where you were there's not like the dotted lines that would represent kind of the end of the team box area there's not from those dashes there's not two or three feet more past that if even that it's really tight i told you either during our mic check or or pregame or something but i mean where a state actually had benches set up i could i could put my hand on the bench my left hand on the bench or my right hand on the retaining wall we had a pretty good contingent of fans that were there in tulsa and I, i think they had a big tailgate area before the game with the athletic department and the alumni association which is noteworthy those two teaming up for a tailgate alumni and athletics work together they're right in the middle of the tulsa tailgating with a big gathering so that that was cool to see now we saw some of the oklahoma natives on the current roster that were showing out the other day including dahu green and jeff foreman but one of our former players oklahoman Justice Hansen, all-time career touchdown leader at A-State. He was there, too. He was. In typical Justice Hansen fashion. Just Life is good for yeah, Justice. Yeah, I mean, and if, it, and if it wasn't, he wouldn't know or care. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, classic Justice Hansen, and by his own description, just kind of flying by the seat of his pants. There you to you told me that, and that was the most believable statement I heard all day. Flying <laughs> by the seat of his pants. I even told him. When he said that, I said, I 100% believe you. <laughs> well, good to see that uh, he was there. And then you told this story late in the game the other day, but you met a new A-State fan. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell this story, and it's going to leave you guys questions that I don't know the answer to, and I wish I did. But I was alerted to this fan in the stands. I just know her name is Melissa, who somehow randomly she just decided she was going to kind of she liked football. She said she was going to kind of follow a team. She's been keeping up with Arkansas State this year. This is I mean, and even she really couldn't explain why it was Arkansas State out of 130 FBS teams. But she just said, "Oh, I'm, this is who I'm going to follow," and. 
She made the drive from Wiley, Texas up to Tulsa Saturday. Chance to see a state in person. That's pretty random. Yes. I guess she was decked out in A-State she gear. She did. She had, bought, she had an A-State shirt on. She had one of uh, Brielle Bolden's A-State buttons on that looked real good. So, yeah, she she looked part. I mean, I think she even went to the Alumni and Athletics tailgate. <laughs> well, we need to get her on the podcast at I, some I wish point. I, Melissa, I if you're help. listening, yes. contact us. Yeah, I want to, yeah, and I because I didn't do a good enough job of getting the rest of the information. And I wish I would have so we could, so... Melissa in Wiley, Texas. And then, you know, here's the other thing that came out of that. You and I, it was the first thing I, I because I'm standing there, they've introduced me to Melissa. I'm saying, so where are you from? Wiley, Texas. Very first question I ask her, is there a high school in Wiley, Texas? She said, yeah, we Wiley High. What's the mascot? You asked me this I before you told me the answer. And I said, it's got to be the Coyotes. Uh, and so uh, I was immediately, I mean, was she, as soon as she told me the name of the town was Wiley, I, I mean, it was the, I didn't ask how big it is, where is it? The first question, is there a high school? What's the mascot? And she said, the Pirates. And I said, you got to be kidding me, <laughs> which is not exactly what I said. You're, uh, you're telling me there's a Wiley High School and the dadgum mascot's not the Coyotes? They missed an opportunity Oh, there. my gosh. How many pirates they got down in the Metroplex? There's probably quite a few. I don't mean schools. I mean literal pirates. Oh, pirates. None that I know of. How many found their booty around DFW? <laughs> no. Wiley Coyotes. It's unbelievable. It, it seems like a layup to me that they missed. We welcome Melissa into mm-hmm. the Red Wolf family. So uh, just an eventful trip. To Tulsa, uh, the Red Wolves now open up conference play coming up this week. They'll travel to Statesboro and take on Georgia Southern on Saturday, a Georgia Southern team that, like the Red Wolves, won in week one and have dropped their last three. The difference is they've already started conference play. They played at home against Louisiana Lafayette on Saturday. They lost that game. 28 to 20 despite outgaining the Cajuns in that one 453 to 378 but the big news concerning Georgia Southern came on Sunday afternoon and I think it surprised a lot of folks including us that they fired Chad Lunsford and let's remember this is a Georgia Southern team that won eight games last year and just beat the brakes off Louisiana Tech in the New Orleans Bowl. Yeah, they beat he them was, thirty-eight I, to three. I think twenty-eight and twenty-one. He went two and one in bowl games. Yeah, he plays a one-possession game against a team that's played in every Sunbelt Championship game there's been. They said, "Nope." <laughs> Here's your pink slip. So the expectations are rather high in Statesboro. And I, I know we've got you know. We got listeners and friends down in Statesboro. We do. And, and uh, listen, I mean, obviously, so much tradition there, it's great. But the million dollar question for me, and the thing I can't wait to see with this thing is you're going to let the next coach do what they want to do. Because here's right now what makes Georgia Southern one of the, the hardest jobs around is not location, recruiting area, all of that. And it's all there. Facilities good. All this, everything's in place. It's that they tell you, hey, we want you to win a lot and we want you to do it exactly the way we want to do it. And that's running some sort of this, you know, option type offense. Yeah. 
They, they run that triple option out of the pistol, something that they've stuck with and they've had success with. I mean, it's like a prerequisite. But you're right. That is something that is kind of told to the head coach when he comes in, or at least it has in the past. Will they do something different now because it's been Georgia Southern's identity for such a long time? Their interim head coach is their cornerback coach, Kevin Whitley, a former high school head coach. But, you know, he gets thrown into the situation now where you're taking on the Red Wolves this week and... I'm interested to see how Georgia Southern responds. I think everybody is. You know, how does a team respond after their head coach is fired? Do they come out and, you know, struggle or do they respond and come out and play great? That's a great question that there's only going to be one way to find out the answer to. Now, Coach Whitley was on the Sunbelt call Monday morning as we're sitting here recording it this morning. He said he really liked the response. They practiced yesterday after they got the news and liked what, what he saw. I mean, and I guess from a scout standpoint, if you're Arkansas State, it makes things tough. But at this stage, I don't think you can plan on a whole lot changing. And if you, I mean, you wouldn't know what that something is. So you got to prepare for Georgia Southern based on what you've seen through these first four games and adjust to any changes they give you on Saturday. More to come on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. I want to talk about some other things happening in A-State sports this week. And there's a lot going on. And we'll start off with the soccer team, the Red Hot soccer team that has now won four in a row. They're now 5-3-1 and one overall. And more importantly, they're 2-0 and oh in conference play after a thrilling win uh, this past Thursday over Georgia Southern. Yeah, overtime, 2-1. Uh, they actually came from behind to uh, to get that win. Sarah Sodoma got the uh, tying goal. That's no big surprise. She's done it more than anybody. But then uh, they got the winner in the 99th minute from a kid named Aaliyah Williams. And this is a true freshman who's already scored now her third goal of the season. She's out of Millington, Tennessee, and she is a uh, star on the rise for Arkansas State soccer. They go on the road for the first time in conference play this week. They'll be at Texas State on Friday. Then they'll be in Lafayette on Sunday. The volleyball team had their first conference games of the season over the weekend and they split their road trip they swept app state on friday and then lost in four sets at coastal carolina on sunday but hey this volleyball team continues to play well they're 10 and 4 overall 1 and 1 in conference play and they finally get to return home this week hadn't been home in a month i mean the first weekend of the season so they've gone 9 and 2 away from Jonesboro since they played the first weekend at home. They're going to be the first team to play on that new court at First National Bank Arena this weekend. So a chance to see that, chance to welcome them home. They've been playing real well. So hopefully some fans will turn out, uh, what is that, Friday and Saturday against the 
Alabama teams at first National Bank Arena. No, South Al on Friday and then uh, Troy on Saturday, both start times listed for 6 o'clock. Basketball news, the, the women's schedule came out. I know the men's schedule came out last week, but the women's schedule now out. And I guess if you're looking for highlights on the non-conference portion, playing at Oklahoma on November the 12th, and then a week later, the home game, First National Bank Arena, as the Red Wolves take on Arkansas. Yeah, how about that? Starting a home and home with an SEC team and starting it at your place. And by the way, Mike Neighbors in Arkansas was more than willing to do that. And this series isn't going anywhere. It's not a one-off or even just the next two years. I mean, I think you'll just see this keep happening. So Friday night, November 19th, Arkansas comes in here, and uh, that'll be a big one. But, yeah, the schedule is, is out, and looking forward to really seeing both these basketball teams. And, you know, from from one standpoint, you got a men's team that you know because it's essentially – the same team with Desi Sills on it. And then the mm-hmm. you know, women's team that's going to have you know, a lot of new faces and contributors. So excited to get basketball here. I wanted to mention one of the cool moments last week was Coach Bellotto showing up at Live with the Red Wolves. He was at Lost Pizza last Wednesday night for Coach Jones' show and had a great time and visited with him afterwards. And, you know, he kind of told me a neat story and i'm sure he doesn't mind me sharing this but he said the workouts have just been amazing so far and i think everybody should be extremely excited about the men's team this year with everybody that is coming back and it's everybody and like you mentioned desi sills the jonesboro native and arkansas transfer is here but coach Pilato was telling me the story and he was kind of smiling he said man i thought we were having a great practice one day and Desi asked the coaches to step out for a minute. And I think Coach Bellotto was a little surprised by it, but he stepped out and was kind of peeking through the door as <laughs> Desi is telling the team, hey, we're not practicing at a championship level right now. We need to practice harder and get on them a little bit. Well, and that's the kind of stuff you love to hear. I mean, for, for somebody like that who's transferred into a team full of returners and kind of take the reins like that is pretty cool. And you understand, you know, Desi what is not just referring back to his time with that Arkansas team that made a deep run. He played on a championship high school program as well. You know, obviously what West Swift yeah. has done at Jonesboro's turned him in one of the top programs in the state. So when – Desi Sills tells you, hey, we're not doing whatever it is the way championship teams do it. You listen because he's been on teams that know. And look, there's so many players to get excited about that, that are coming back. And, you know, the second year of Norshad O'Meara, what's he going to do this year? You know, Marquise Eaton in his final year at A-State, Caleb Fields. There's so many things to be excited about with that team but when I was talking with coach Bellotto he said hey maybe the most improved player on our roster right now is Marquise Davis with everybody else that's on the roster you you may forget about somebody like that but he's long he's a great defender he's got a good shot but he said Marquise Davis has been a guy that stepped up for us yeah the thing that's gonna be interesting to see about them is just all the different sort of lineup combinations and the different ways he can configure how to go about putting five whether it's I mean, he's got obviously he can go put North Shadow Mirror out there and just surround him with four shooters, or he can go with a longer lineup. You can go with two bigs if you let 
Norshad get out on the floor a little bit. So it's going to be fun to see kind of all the ways he can tinker with his lineups, uh, which I know he's excited about too. Well, I think everybody uh, certainly can get excited about basketball season, which is just around the corner. But sooner than that, we've got a big football game. Conference opener coming up this Saturday as uh, the Red Wolves travel to Statesboro to take on Georgia Southern. And we seem to play more often than not in the conference opener. Usually that is our first game in league play. And you remember back in 16 – they came to Jonesboro, and that was after the 0-4 start. The Red Wolves went on to win the conference, but it got started with that last-second touchdown pass to this kid, this true freshman named Omar Bayless, <laughs> in the back corner of the end zone. But that was the first of several A-State Georgia Southern games that were pretty entertaining. And I think this one will be too. I predict there will be plenty of points scored on Saturday, and uh, listen, if Arkansas State could get this win and go to 2-3 and three and 1-0 and oh in the league, Butch Jones would be in a better position through five games than Gus Malzahn was at Arkansas State. You're right, and we talk about that 2012 team, and yeah, the Red Wolves were 2-3. and three. They had gone 2-2 two and two in non-conference, but they were 0-1 oh after yep. they lost the conference opener to Western Kentucky. So... Just keep that in mind as we uh, see what I think will be an entertaining game on Saturday. Before we get out of here, and I, I we could have just brought Dr. Kelly Danfus back on, and he probably would give us an answer to this question that would at least justify it. But what is the deal, not to go Seinfeld here, <laughs> with these schools in Oklahoma? As I came on the air for the school board or for the uh, tailgate show Saturday, it actually I actually kind of hesitated a second because I'm looking around. Try to figure out. Now, tell me again, what the heck does this place call itself? Because right across the top of the scoreboard, it says the University of Tulsa. You know, then they spend the rest of the day calling themselves TU. Over in Norman, they've got the University of Oklahoma, and the whole world just knows them as OU. What is up with that? That is a wonderful question that I have no answer to. It doesn't make any sense. Not. And most schools, they do put the U in front. But schools like that, you're right. Both Oklahoma schools, OU, TU, and you know, I guess Oklahoma State, they, they stick with OSU, which I don't know what other option they have there. But <laughs> I've never really put that together before. I'm literally, I'm going up from uh, the OKHA Chapman State because on the campus of it, that's where I got hung up. Literally, I'm sitting there doing the you know, because I hadn't thought to get this squared away in advance. So I'm uh, from H.A. Chapman Stadium on the campus of whatever the heck they're calling this place. Uh, is it? I think it's the University of Tulsa, but no. But you hear them tell you you'd think it's Tulsa University. Pick a side. Let's go. By the way, Tulsa, the smallest enrollment in the FBS. Yes. Their undergrad is just under 3,000. Overall, it's a little under 4,000, but... It's a very good academic school. It's a nice campus, but the smallest FBS school there is. I would say, yeah, by a pretty decent amount, I'd guess, but they've got a lot of money. It's less from, from like an endowment standpoint, and they've got people that kick back into that place. So, uh, the, a unique setup for sure over there in Tulsa. All right. So, big game coming up A State, Georgia Southern from Statesboro. 
We'll recap the trip next week. I don't know what that's going to include. Maybe a trip to Nats Landing before the game. One of our oh yeah Statesboro joints. Yeah, that's right. And hey, I'm. Th- I mean, listen. Apparently, home base on Friday is Augusta. So uh, I'm just shoving the clothes I'm wearing to the game Saturday into the side pockets of my golf bag, and that's what I'm carrying to the plane. And by the way, three years or however long ago it was when we stayed there before. We tried to get a peek of Augusta National. Ain't happening. Well, but you're forgetting. And I made this point Saturday when we were, you know, we came up Saturday night. The color analyst didn't work for a member back then. Now our color analyst works for a member at Augusta National. We'll see what Philip Butterfield. We will be name dropping left and right. We'll see what Philip can do after. uh... If not, then what the heck do we bring him in here for? (laughs) Well, Dinner at Augusta National on Friday night. We'll tell you all about it next week as uh, we recap the conference opener at Georgia Southern. Broadcast begins at 1 on the EAB Red Wolf Sports Network from Learfield kickoff at 3 o'clock. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week.